you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. This morning, we're going to continue just plodding right along through in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, this great sermon that the Lord gave uh, to his, his disciples, one of his first sermons. I think uh, in this passage today, before we read it, I just want to give you um, just a little bit of background to it. Um, what Jesus is doing in the sermon is he's actually giving us kind of the distinctives of Christianity. And over and over, he's been giving us uh, those distinctions. One way that Jesus gives us a distinction is he says, Christianity is not, um, first and foremost, about your salvation, but he talks about it in terms of a kingdom. Uh, So as a Christian, you're not merely coming to God himself, but you're coming to God and his kingdom. Uh, And over and over and over, he uses this language of coming into a kingdom. Uh, You know, the kingdom of God and the way that that Jesus speaks about it in this sermon actually blows away a lot of our expectations and a lot of our common thoughts about God and about what it means to be a religious person. Uh, and he begins at the, at the very beginning of it. What does he say? Blessed are the poor in spirit. And we've seen over and over and over the way that Jesus kind of combines these seemingly contradictory ideas uh, and says, this is what you must be. This is who you are as a Christian. And this is what it means to be a kingdom citizen. Uh, and again, it begins by saying, you are poor in spirit, meaning you have nothing in and of yourself. You are nobody in and of yourself. You have no resources And you are absolutely dependent upon God to give you those resources. Well, today, in this passage, in 7, 13, and 14, Jesus is going to tell us about getting into the kingdom. Uh, And actually, he's not doing anything but repeating himself over and over and over. So if you come, and I said this last week, so I'm repeating myself again. If you come and you hear me repeating things over and over, well, I have a great teacher. Jesus himself did this. And he nuances this teaching just a little bit. And today he's going to talk about the kingdom of God, entering into the kingdom of God by way of talking about a gate and a path. All right. So how do you get into the kingdom? How do you get into it? Jesus says that you have to enter into a gate. Um, In Christ's day, how would you enter into a city? Well, cities would be walled up. They would be blockaded. Not just anyone was allowed in. You would have to go through the security. It's like going to a football game. If you go through a football game, they don't just let anybody in there. So Jesus is borrowing this imagery that everyone in that day would have been familiar with. In order to get into the kingdom, to have access to the city, to have access to the things of the city and of the state, you have to go in through the gate. There's security checkpoints, there's uh, borders, and they're just not open. So the question is to us, how do we get into God's city? How do we get into His kingdom? How do we have access to Him? And that's what He does in this passage. So let's read this, and then I'll ask for God's help in understanding His word. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Jesus says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Let's pray and ask the Lord's help. Our Father, we again thank you for this word. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that he still speaks to us this day. 
that He cares for us, that He loves us, and that He delights to glorify Himself in our midst by the work of the Holy Spirit. Lord, if You do not reveal Yourself to us through this text, if my words are not empowered by Your Spirit, the things that I say are meaningless. We are absolutely dependent upon You. We're absolutely dependent upon the Spirit to be at work in our hearts. I pray that for all of us here today, that You would convict us of sin, that You would reveal Yourself to us through Your Son, and that we would see Your glory, and that we would delight in Him. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So there are three things that I want you to see from this passage. We'll do this very quickly today. First of all, I want you to see a description of the gates that Jesus gives. So description. Secondly, I want you to see the destiny of the gates. First description, second destiny. And then third, the decision to enter. So three Ds today. should be easy to remember. So as you're going home to watch the Saints game, these three Ds should always be stuck in your mind, all right? You should have the description, the destiny, and the decision. I want that firmly implanted in your mind as you think about this passage. A description of the gates first off. Uh, Jesus begins here, and it's very interesting. Uh, He says that there's only two ways that you can travel. We live in a world, and Jesus lived in a world. uh, As a matter of fact, this has been a very popular thing throughout all of human history to think that there are lots of different ways to God, that there are lots of ways that you you and I can get to God. We like to think that in our modern mind, in our enlightened time, that people have always thought, well, there are lots of ways to get to God. But very commonly, it's been thought that you have your way, I have my way. We're all trying to get to God, and there's lots of roads. But Jesus says, absolutely not. That there are only two roads that everyone is on. There's no opting out of this road either. You're on a road, and we need to see that today. So he gives a description of what this means. Um, So he says there are only two roads. You're either on the right road, or you're on the wrong road. Doesn't that seem very narrow? Um, tomorrow when you go to work, I want you to tell somebody, tell your friend that, that there's only two roads, and that, that everyone, you're either on one of two roads, you're on the right road or the wrong road. Okay? I mean, this is what Jesus is teaching. It seems very narrow to say that. And Jesus actually says, yes, it's very narrow to think that there's only two roads. Because the truth is, not everyone is on the pathway to God. And we're going to see that in a minute. There are only two roads. Uh, we need to remember this, that there's no neutrality when it comes to God. If you have not yet made up your mind about who God is, who Jesus Christ is, you are not neutral to Him. The Scriptures actually tell us that you are actually an enemy of God, and you're on one of these two roads. There's no neutrality when it comes to God. Even though you have friends and family members who may say, well, everything about Jesus is nice and polite, but I don't have time for that. I'm neutral with God. I'm not an enemy. Well, Jesus says, no, you're actually an enemy of Jesus Christ. You're an enemy of God. So you only have one of two roads that you're on. You're on the right road or the wrong road. Let's look at a description of these two roads. First of all, I want to look at the wrong road because this is the one that Jesus gives first. So verse 13, he gives a command. I'm going to skip over that. Um, Look where it says, for the gate is wide and the way is easy. Uh, This is the wrong road Jesus gives first, the description of the wrong road. Um, understand what Jesus is saying. Everyone is on a trip. Everyone's on a road. Um, In Christ's day, again, if you're going on a trip, um, what you're probably going to do is you're going to pick the easiest way to do it. If you've ever gone on a trip, which all of you have gone on a trip, you're going to pick the easiest, most um, well-worn way to go because that just makes sense. And in Jesus' day, if you're going on a trip, if you're going someplace far away, 
you're going to pick the road that is traveled by the more people. Why? Because it's dangerous to travel any other way. Have you ever been stranded on a dark road in the middle of the night where you don't have cell phone service and you can't call for help? Well, if you were on a road that was well-traveled, more than likely somebody would be there to help you. And so Jesus is saying here, I know that it's very natural for us to assume that we're to go the way that everyone else goes. That we're to take the trip in the broad path because that's where everyone is. And in Jesus' day, the word that he uses here is he says, go for the wide path. Why is it wide? Because more people travel it. More people are on that path. If you get um, stranded, uh, you know, if you're walking along and you sprain your ankle, well, somebody's going to be there to help you. So pick that path. But Jesus says, no, if you're trying to get to God, don't pick that path. Why? Um, because, well, we'll get to the because in a minute. But he says... Um, that we should not pick the wide road. Um, and he says the wide road is wide and spacious. And then you have there, uh, look, at your, look at your translations. Almost all of this has something like this. He says, for the gate is wide, so it's a wide gate, lots of people can go through it, and the way is easy. Almost all of our translations say that. But the problem with that word easy is it's actually not the word that's used in the original text. The word that's used in the original text is the way is spacious. The way is broad. It's not that it's easy, but it's spacious. What does spacious imply? Spacious implies safe. Spacious implies that you have a lot of room for yourself. Spacious implies that you can bring all of the things that you need to bring because you can go through it. It's a travel. It's a broad road. It's a safe road. It's, an, it's a road that you can take all of your stuff with you. And you don't have to give up on anything to go through it. That's the wrong road to take, Jesus says. It would be natural for us to take the road that's easier, but Jesus says, I don't want you to take that road. So what's the right road? What's the right road? He says, it's the other way. It's the other road. For, verse 14, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. So the description of the narrow road. Um, this is the right way. He says, well, first of all, it's a small gate. It's a tiny gate. It's itty bitty 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 gate. If you are a traveler, and let's say you have a camel, and you've packed that camel down with a lot of your stuff because you're traveling a long distance, well, you're going to want a big gate because you're not going to want to have to try to squeeze that camel through a small gate. But Jesus says here, no, if you're on a trip, I want you to go through the tiny gate, the small gate, uh, just just so that you know also, this is one of those places that I would point to that tells you that God likes small people better than he likes tall people because he says the small gate's the good gate. Just like over and over he says the small people are the good people, the small gate's the good gate. Okay? So he says here, don't go through the big gate, go through the narrow gate, the small gate. And he says essentially that the right gate, the one that you need to go through, is suffocatingly small. It's so narrow. And again, the translation that's here where it says, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard, that's not the word that's used in the original language. The word that's used is, it's compressed. Now, if you go home and you have uh, the means to do this, you can search this word. Uh, Strong's search is a good place to go look at this. Every time, or almost every time that this word is used, it's used for the word crushed. It's used all over the place and it's, to be crushed. So what Jesus is saying here, for the gate is narrow and the way is crushing that leads to life. It's not that it's a hard road. 
It's not something that you do um, and you have to just grit, just, just pull yourself up and do the hard thing. That's not what Jesus is saying. What he's saying is that actually the road that leads to life is the road that crushes you. It's the compressed road. All right, so we see the description of the gate, right? The road that you're supposed to be on, either the narrow road, the crushing road, or the broad and spacious road. He says, avoid the broad road. Go for the crushing road. Now, why would we want to choose the crushing road? That leads us into the second point, the destiny of the two gates. Why would you choose the crushing gate and the road that crushes you? Because no one wants to be crushed, right? If you had the choice and, um, and, you know, uh, of some way to live your life, you would choose not to live your life in a crushing way. But the reason why we choose that is because the assumption is that both roads end up in the same place. And if they both end up in the same place, then of course we would choose the road that doesn't crush us, the broad road. But Jesus says they don't end up in the same place. What is the destiny of the two roads? Well, the destiny of the first road, of the wrong road, of the wide road, the broad road, is, the, is destruction. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. The well-worn paths of life lead to destruction. What are the well-worn paths? Well, in order to understand that, you have to go back over and look at what Christ has been talking about over and over and over. Jesus has been getting to the point that you and I, in our external religious behavior, and the things that we do externally that we think please God, we need to be very careful about those things because those things are not the things that please God. What pleases Him? It's not being good enough. It's not merely trying our best. Because of our sin, God is not willing to accept our best. We have to be perfect in order to please God. Absolutely perfect. And what the world tends to do, the well-worn paths, are merely being good outwardly. Merely doing the things like coming to church, which I'm very thankful again that all of you have come to church. I'm glad that you're here. But if you've come believing that you have made God happy because you were here and you get to check a box off and you get to show it to God and say, I've done this and you can't hold anything against me because I've simply gone to church, God says, what you've done doesn't matter because you're not doing it for me, you're doing it for yourself. And the Lord Jesus Christ says here that external religious behavior, you doing the things that you think are good enough, you just simply trying your best are not enough. Those things lead to death because ultimately you're trying to justify yourself before God. You're trying to say, I'm good enough. I have enough in myself to make you happy. And Jesus Christ says over and over in the sermon, you can't do it. You will not do it. And that way actually leads to destruction. It leads to death. Now interestingly, the second road that he gives, the narrow, the crushing road, What does that lead to? What's the destiny here? He says, For the gate is narrow and the way is hard, or crushing, remember, that leads to life. The only way to live, according to Jesus, is to be crushed. The only way to have life is to die by being squished to death. (laughs) Um, uh, One pastor described described this word in this way. What What does a bug die of? When you... When you squish a roach, what does it die of? It dies of narrowness. It dies because the life has been squished out of it. And that's the same way that Jesus is describing this here. He says, in order for you to live, you have to be crushed and squeezed. The only way to life, according to Christ, is through death. 
death to yourself, death to your way of life, death to the things that you think make you good before God, death to yourself. This is Christ teaching over and over and over. In Matthew 16, 25, he says this, whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will find it. How do you enter into the gate? How do you enter into Christ's kingdom? Well, you die to yourself. You have to be absolutely crushed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And once you're crushed, once you realize you have nothing good, remember you're poor in spirit, there's nothing in yourself that is any good. What do you get? Well, those who are poor, you get the kingdom of heaven. Those who are crushed, according to Christ, you get life. Life. All right, so here in this passage, and again, we're almost done. You've seen the description of the gates. You've seen the destiny of the gates. And now here's your decision. It's a decision and, and, um, for us to make. He says in verse 13, the very first part I skipped over. This is actually, it's not a decision that we're supposed to make. He says, enter by the narrow gate. This is a command that Christ gives to all of his disciples. And he says this command, all of you must enter in by the gate that's going to crush you. So he says, Christ's disciples, if you are Christ's disciples, then you are going to die to yourself. That it's not about you and your life, it's not about what you've done, but it's about Christ and his life. The world says over and over and over, you live and then you die. But Jesus says, you die and then you live This is where your choice comes in. He's given a command to his disciples. Your choice is, will you be one of his disciples? You need to ask the question, which road are you on? Are you striving in your life so that you can live your life? Are you striving for death so that then you can have life? And the command is to us to enter now. Don't wait. Because what do you do if you wait? If you think you're neutral to God now, if you're waiting to make your decision, Jesus says you get death. Entering now into this kingdom brings life. So the command for us is to enter now. Now, what then is the motivation for us to enter? Why should we do it? Well, we do it because Christ here is laying out for us the way that he's going to have life. He is telling us here that the way that he has life is to go through death. He gave up his throne in heaven. He came down. He lived among us. All through his life, he lived perfectly. He was the only one that deserved life. And what did he get? Well, he went to the cross for us. He took on the punishment that we deserved. He gave up his life and he was squished and crushed by God's judgment. And then what did he get? He got life. And he did that for us. This is why I told the children that their ticket into the kingdom is not their good works. It's not what they do. Their ticket and our ticket is not us, but it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And so for us, The hope for us is not in what we do. It's for Jesus Christ being our hope. And so for us, you have a decision. Who is your hope? Who is your life? Is it yours? Is it what you do? Or have you been crushed by the gospel? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the way that you reveal yourself to us. We thank you for the Lord turning our expectations on 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 its head and revealing to us the greatness of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that you would be pleased to find all of us here in your Son, that you would transform us more and more after the image of Christ.
that if anyone would be here who, did, who has not been crushed by the gospel, Lord, I pray that you would do that so that they may have life. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. We're coming now to the Lord's table. As the elders come forward, I'm going to read to you the words of institution found in Mark. Mark chapter 14, verses 22 through 25. And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. And they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God.